listening to Glad Tidings. Today, we have Pastor Mark Jureen bringing the word. We hope you are inspired by this message. Good morning, Glad Tidings. For you, our Christians, greetings uh, from the, your Christian brothers and sisters in Thailand. So my wife and I have lived there almost 30 years now. We'll be uh, 29 in a couple of months. And uh, uh, from the U.S., I'm embarrassed to say I've never been here to visit you in all of those 30 years, and I missed out on a lot because I've enjoyed this morning's service. I've enjoyed my time with your pastor and with the staff. Thank you, Pastor Michael and, and Sunita, the missions team, for, for inviting me here today. We flew in yesterday from Bangkok, and, uh, and I will leave again this evening because I'm headed back to the States for uh, uh, three weeks uh, coming up this coming week. On Thursday, I will fly out. So it's a, it's a busy schedule. But I'm so excited to be a part of your mission's emphasis for this year, and I've heard that you haven't really had uh, a missions emphasis through the COVID pandemic. And so this is our breakout year, praise God. And so uh, I want to say amen, amen. I want to say thank you to Glad Tidings because in my years of ministry, almost 30 years, several times during those years, uh, we have worked with Malaysian Assemblies of God churches alongside of them in doing projects, church planting projects and other kinds of projects in northern Thailand where I worked. And the, there were only two churches that I ever remember working with, and the one that I worked with almost every time was Glad Tidings. It's you guys. So I know that there is a strong missions DNA in this church, and I pray that this week and the next couple of weeks will be uh, we'll, it'll just add to that fervor, that missions fervor that you've had. Let's not let it decline. Let's let it increase. And now that we're breaking out of COVID, this is the opportunity to, to reemphasize the world, the lost in the world. And um, I believe that the closer we get to Jesus, the more missions-minded we become. Our God is a God who is concerned about the whole world. And yes, I love your emphasis on, on Malaysia and reaching Malaysia. Uh, I've uh, followed you for the last couple of weeks on YouTube, and, and I saw just several weeks ago the, the Facing Your Giants 10 Days of Prayer. That is fantastic. That is amazing. And I love your emphasis on prayer, but especially wanting to, to be in a great influence in this nation. Uh, and uh, God, that's God's heart. But it's also God's heart for us to be world-minded as well. And, uh, and so as we get closer to God and as we look at His Word and at the emphasis on the nations over the next few weeks, let it stir up a passion in your heart. And in fact, let, ask the Holy Spirit throughout these uh, few next upcoming days and next couple of weeks, stir up my heart, O oh God, stir up my heart, O oh Holy Spirit, so that I will have your eyes, you know, like the song we just sung, Lord, let our passions be yours. And, uh, and I believe that the passion of the Lord for the lost and for the whole world will, will fill us more and more and more in the coming weeks. Well, this morning, I want to talk about food, about a banquet. Uh, last night, uh, the missions board, the uh, missions committee uh, treated me to a very nice Chinese meal. 
And, uh, and I, I've known every time we've had Malaysians in, in Thailand, they love, Malaysians love food. They love being around food. They love uh, a meal is not just eating, but it's, it's an experience. It's relational experience. And, and uh, Malaysians love food. And uh, so I think Jesus was like that. Jesus, uh, a lot of his stories surrounded some kind of food, some kind of banquet. And in the story we're going to look at today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 14. Uh, the story is about uh, a banquet, but the setting is a banquet. Jesus is invited to the home of a Pharisee to eat a banquet and, uh, and eat a great meal, enjoy a great meal together. And at that meal, he shares a parable about a banquet that has powerful implications uh, towards our view of the worldwide missions. So if you would, would you turn to your Bibles in Luke chapter 14? Luke chapter 14, and we'll begin reading with verse 15. Uh, before we read, would you stand, please? Would you stand in honor of the Word of God as we read? Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him, with Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus, he said to them, and Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many, many, uh, invited many. At that time, uh, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who have been invited, Come, for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have invited a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And, he, and the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be full, filled. For I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your passion for the world, for the lost, for this entire globe. And I pray for glad tidings that you would stir our passion and stir our heart for the lost, stir our passion for the world as well in missions over, this, over today and over the upcoming weeks. Lord, that we may reflect you, your love, your care, your passion to this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let's look at the background of Jesus' story, this parable, uh, and, and, and notice my first point that the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's home, a Pharisee ruler, probably a wealthy person, on a Sabbath day, and Jesus went and began to eat this very, very fine banquet. I'm sure that uh, this uh, wealthy Pharisee prepared the very best and had a special guest, Jesus, come to join them. 
uh, not a guest that they particularly, the Pharisees particularly loved. In fact, Jesus was looked upon with suspicion. They were watching him very closely to catch him in some kind of a, a mistake that he would make so they could uh, charge him with things. And Jesus did a couple of things that caused the atmosphere in that home to be a little uncomfortable. The first thing he did was he healed a person. Uh, and uh, Pharisees considered healing a, a work, something he shouldn't be doing on a Sabbath on that Saturday. And uh, so they were critical, but they didn't say anything with that. And then Jesus went on and, and, and picked on them a little bit for uh, sitting at, at high places of honor instead of being humble and sitting at other places. And so it feels like the atmosphere at that banquet was a bit uncomfortable when someone in verse 15 uh, just kind of shouts out, it sounds like he's just kind of coming out of nowhere when he says, oh, blessed are those that eat at the banquet once the kingdom is established. And uh, almost as if, uh, as I read it, almost as if he's trying to break this tense atmosphere. You know, Jesus is reminding him that there's, there's few things wrong with the Pharisees and their pharisaical attitudes. So he comes out and says, oh, food is great, isn't it? And won't it be great when we get into God's kingdom and we can all eat at this wonderful banquet together? What was he thinking about when he said that? Uh, the Pharisees' idea of the kingdom of God was, was what? It was that there would be a Messiah coming to Israel and would establish a kingdom that would uh, not only rule Israel, but it would rule the world. It would ultimately rule the world as God had promised that His kingdom would be a kingdom of the entire earth. And so in their minds, it would be a great king who would uh, rule the nations. And in that great banquet, they, they would be the special group of people invited to share and eat bread in the great banquet of that kingdom. And uh, possibly they were pointing out to Jesus Jesus, you're not the Messiah because you're not moving in the direction of political leadership. And so Jesus responded to this guy's outburst by telling this parable. And he tells the parable of a man, uh, a man who had a wedding, great wedding feast and he invited many people. And at that wedding feast, some unusual things happened. Well, let's take a look at at that parable just a little bit more closely. The first thing we notice is that God compares the kingdom of God to a banquet. Uh, when God looks at glad tidings and, and at the people of God, God looks at us as something good, as a banquet. Uh, I, I think this, this parable is especially rela relatable to Malaysians, because Malaysians see eating and banquets as something very good and very positive. God looks at us as a banquet. Uh, it's something great. It's great food. It's wonderful atmosphere. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to enjoy one another and to enjoy blessings, to enjoy this wonderful food and this wonderful atmosphere. I lived in northern Thailand, and one of the unusual things that, I, that I, I found in northern Thailand, in the markets, especially the markets of your smaller communities, was uh, fried bugs, fried insects. I'm not sure how many of us have ever participated in fried insects, but in Thailand you would go to these markets, and still there today, you would see mounds of fried insects, fried bugs. 
And uh, there would be all kinds. There'd be cris- crickets and grasshoppers and beetle bugs of all kinds and these white bamboo worms and things. And um, so uh, Thai people enjoy snacking on them. And in fact, uh, sometimes more than a snack for, for, for poor people. We, we brought a team, and, and this was completely not planned, but we brought a team from my home state of Minnesota in to help uh, rebuild a, a, a small rural church. And uh, Minnesota is a very cold place. And so after this team, the first day after this team had worked very hard at demolishing some walls and they were sweating, they were hot, they were tired, they were jet lagging from their trip. And, um, and the local church prepared a meal for them. And uh, so their dinner that evening, as these very tired, very thirsty, very hungry men and women came to eat, was basically uh, 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 crickets, fried crickets. And uh, so they went into the line unex- unknowingly, unknowing what they were getting, and uh, held out their plates, and they got a great big pile of rice, uh, a little pile of vegetables, and then a large mound of crickets, black crickets. And uh, they were, needless to say, uh, not excited about their meal. Uh, it was very different for them, and they challenged each other to eat just one, and some of them couldn't eat even, even one of them, uh, which was embarrassing for me in front of that local church that, uh, who had prepared this meal for them. But, but uh, fried bugs are not your kind of typical idea of a great banquet, right? Uh, but sometimes when we look at our, our hearts, we examine our hearts, uh, sometimes we view inviting people to come into the kingdom of God uh, as inviting them to come and try out some fried bugs, some fried insects. It's a little strange, it's a little different, it tastes unusual, but if you try it, if you eat it, if you eat it, you might get used to it, you might like it, so come on and try it out. Come to Glad Tidings and, and, and see what this uh, strange kind of thing is. But that's not the picture that Jesus paints of the kingdom of God. I think when Jesus looks at Glad Tidings, he doesn't see us as a bunch of people eating some strange bugs. He sees us as a banquet. This is a place of goodness, a place of, of delicious food, of, de- of a great, wonderful, warm, strong atmosphere. And praise God for the banquet that He's placed before us. Amen? When God called us into His kingdom, God saved us by His great grace, His great love. God loves us. God protects us. God surrounds us. God cares for us. He guides us. We can be confident of our future. We don't have to fear death. We serve a God who holds the keys to death and to hell. We are loved by one another. We are loved by God. When we consider ourselves as as part of the kingdom of God, we need to view ourselves as a great banquet, as a positive thing, as a good thing. The gospel is good news. And when we invite people to come and partake of the gospel, we invite them to come and partake of something. We hope that you are enjoying the message so far. If you would like to know more about our church and get connected, head to our website at gladtidings.my. Thank you for listening. Let's get back to the Word. Good, delicious, wonderful, positive. And so the first thing Jesus is presenting here is the kingdom of God is good. It's good news. The gospel is good. Uh, Glad Tidings is a good place. It's a great place. It's a wonderful atmosphere. I remember uh, several years ago in, in Chiang Mai where we worked, 
uh, Janie and I, my wife and I, we opened our home to a university a group, a cell group, to come in and study. Every Thursday night, we had a number of young people, and it went from 10 to 20, maybe sometimes more than that. And they would come every Thursday night, and we would worship together. We would open our Bibles. We would study together. We'd pray together. Um, and uh, something unusual happened. This uh, young woman by the name of Jeep uh, started to attend our, our, our home and these meetings in our home. But she wasn't a Christian. She wasn't willing to give her life to the Lord. She uh, was uh, following the religion of the local people there. And, uh, but she would come every week. And I got kind of curious. I said, uh, and so one day, one Thursday evening, I said to her, Jeep, I'm curious. Uh, what brings you here? Why, why are you interested in coming here? Because you're not a Christian. And we did, I mean, we just did Christian things. We prayed, we worshiped, we, we studied the Bible. And uh, so what, what attracts you about this? And she, her answer, and I'll never forget her answer, she said to me, she thought about it a second, and then she said to me, when I'm with my friends uh, in general, my, my non-Christian friends, I have to kind of be, be careful about myself. I have to watch myself and so that I'm not taken advantage of. And, uh, but whenever I come here, I feel safe and warm. Safe and warm. Amen. Amen. You know what? That's the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. And that's the atmosphere of, of glad tidings. When people come here, they need to sense that this is a place that is safe and warm. No one's going to take advantage of them. No one's going to be hateful. No one's going to be critical of their life, of them. But we're here to, to keep them safe, to, to be warm to them, to be loving to them, to be caring for them. This is the attitude and the heart of Jesus. And we pray that everyone who steps into this place would step into that atmosphere, that atmosphere. It's a banquet. It's a good thing. The gospel is good news. And when we invite people to come, we're inviting them to something positive, something good, something that they will like, something that will build and strengthen them and be safe and warm. And if you're not a Christian this morning and you're coming and you're sitting here in this atmosphere, I pray that you feel safe and warm. I feel that you sense the love of people around you, and it's the love of Jesus. It's the love of God for all humanity. He loves you with a great and passionate love and wants you to know that He cares about you. He cares for your future. He cares for your life. And, uh, and, and let's grow that atmosphere here at Glad Tidings. Let's strengthen that atmosphere. Let's encourage one another. Let's love one another. Let's share that, that message uh, that the kingdom of God is something good, it's something positive, it's something that we want the world to know, and we want to invite the world to come and be a part of that. We're not inviting Malaysians to try out some, in, some fried insects here. We're inviting them to try out a banquet that's the greatest and the most delicious food that they've ever eaten before. Amen. And that's what missions is about as well. Letting them know that the kingdom of God is something that they, they want. That's something that's good for them. It's something positive. It's a banquet that they can enjoy. Secondly, the gospel is for everyone and everywhere. Let's look at the rest of this parable. There were four invitations given in this parable that Jesus tells. He said there was this man in verse, in verse 16. He was, a man gave a great banquet and invited many. 
So that was the initial invitation. I don't know if he sent out some sort of a messenger to go around the places and invite people to his banquet, but the initial invitation was he invited many. And I think the inference there, the Pharisees figured it out pretty fast, the inference there is that God invited Israel to be a part of his kingdom. They were the first, the old Old Testament leads up to this moment of Jesus coming in time, and the initial people invited were, were, the, were the family of Israel and the Old Testament law, the Old Testament covenant. So many were invited. Uh, Jesus has a very pointed parable here, pointed at, at, at both the Pharisees, but directed toward us this morning as well. And so uh, the Jews were those who invited. Uh, the second invitation happens in verse 17. Uh, at the time for the banquet, now it's time, it's time for the kingdom to come. He sent his servant to say to those who've been invited, come for everything is now ready. And again, the inference here is the servant that, that, the, that God is sending, God who's the owner of the banquet, uh, God is sending His servant to say, okay, it's time. It's time to come in to the, to the banquet, and that is whom? Probably referring to Himself. Uh, Jesus Himself is the servant of God who goes out and says, the kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is here, and we see Jesus saying that many times throughout His ministry. And, but, Jesus said, those who responded to Himself, to His message saying, okay, it's here, it's time, responded with excuses. There were three excuses that were very flimsy excuses. The first guy said, uh, I bought a field and I have to go look at it. Uh, the second one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, I have to go try them out. And the third one said, I just got married, so I can't come. Uh, I believe those are very flimsy excuses. Why? Because you don't buy oxen without, or you don't uh, buy a field without looking at it first. The, obviously, the person had already looked at his field. You don't buy oxen without trying them out. And you, if you get married, you want to bring your, your new bride to a great wedding feast, right? To a great feast. So I know I did when I first got married. I want to bring my wife to all the very good, delicious meals. Uh, so these, are, these, I think, are very odd and very flimsy excuses that they give. And, and Jesus, they're pointing out that the Pharisees have been distracted by these minor things, and they're refusing to acknowledge the invitation to the great banquet. And so it was, it was them Jesus was pointing at, and I think they, I think they knew it. Um, you know, I'm, not everyone that we invite responds to, to the call. And that's okay. I mean, that's, that's normal. But I've discovered in my years of ministry in Thailand that there's usually one key thing that keeps people from responding to Jesus. There's usually, it's usually one very key thing. Many of you have invited friends and relatives to come to Jesus, and you've been praying for them for many, many years, and they're not coming to the Lord. Why, why are they not coming to Jesus? Oftentimes, there's a barrier that Satan has built up really in their life that prevents them from taking that final step. Uh, there was a young lady named Kun Sai in, in Chiang Mai that we had worked with for some time. Uh, in fact, she started coming to our church. She, we hired her as a janitor of the church, uh, but she was not a believer and was unwilling. Uh, though we, my wife and I started meeting with her on a regular basis, and uh, she was still unwilling to, to make that step. And that's common. That's not unusual in, in Thailand. It takes many times, it takes several, many years for a person to make a decision. And we found out that through our years of ministry that often there's that one key 
that it takes to unlock a person's heart. And here's the story. So one day, we were, uh, Janie and I were, were studying, and we happened upon the subject of, of ghosts and demons. And uh, if you know Thailand, you know that, that they're a very supernatural place. It's a very spiritual place. There's open public worship of idols. Uh, the demonic activity takes place on a, on a regular basis. We have incredible experiences at at temples, seeing spiritual powers at work and things like that. And, uh, and so the belief in ghosts is there and, and the fear of ghosts and fear of spirits is there. And so uh, we, we were talking about the difference between ghosts or people who have passed away and who are ha hanging around and that, that whole idea of ghosts and evil spirits. And we said, you know, the Scriptures does not, do not support the idea of ghosts, so we don't believe in ghosts. So we, we believe that when a person has died, there's judgment, but we do believe in, in evil spirits. The Bible is full of, of examples and teachings about uh, evil spirits, and so uh, the difference between ghosts and evil spirits. And Sai responded to us and said very firmly, ghosts are real. And I said, oh, uh, Tell me about it, because normally she wouldn't uh, respond in that kind of way to, a, to one of our, our instructors, our teachings. And she said, I know they're real, because she said, my job, my, one of my jobs as the oldest daughter in the house is to take care of father. Well, father's passed away, so his ashes are there on the spirit shelf in their room. And so every day, her, one of her jobs is to light the incense and put a glass of water or a uh, you know, piece of fruit or something. Uh, to feed her father and then to meditate before her father, uh, her father's ashes. And, uh, and so she said, one day I was at work and I happened to have this fierce headache. And it was so bad. It was so, so terrible. I knew something was wrong. And so I thought, what did I do wrong? And uh, she said, I remembered I forgot to feed father that morning. And so I hurried back home and I lit the incense and I meditated and I, and I, and I put the glass of water and immediately my headache went away. So I know ghosts are real. I know they're real. And uh, so what would you say to, to Kun Sai? And I said, Lord Jesus, uh, Holy Spirit, we need your help right now. We need your insight right now. And you know, throughout our ministry, many times, I can say possibly hundreds of times in our ministry, we encountered things that we were not prepared for. No one taught us in Bible school what to say when this situation appears. And uh, so many situations came up that we didn't know what to do. And we had to rely on the, move, on the Holy Spirit. And, and I said, Lord, let there be someone praying for us right now. And I believe that prayer, that when people prayed, the Lord helped us and moved in our hearts and lives. In each of those instances where we had to say, oh, Holy Spirit, we need you, we need you, we need you, and the Holy Spirit would suddenly reveal something incredible, an incredible answer to us, I know that someone was praying for us. I want to say a word to you this morning, glad tidings. Prayer is a powerful missions tool. It is powerful. It's more powerful than you know. And in fact, I believe and, and if I have time, I'll make reference to this. But I believe that prayer is more powerful than actual the work on the ground. Uh, and uh, when, because when you pray, when we have supporters behind us that are not only giving, but they're praying, and the prayer is more important, uh, God comes through in these kinds of situations. 
and he fills our mind with the right answer and the right thing to do. I wrote a book called Change the Map, <laughs> and uh, it was released last year. It's filled with examples of coming up into situations we did not know the answer to, and, and the Holy Spirit gave us the right thing to do at that right moment. And this is one of those times. He said, Holy Spirit, help us to know what to say to Kunsai. And so I said to, I said to her, and I just sensed the Lord leading me. I said to her, uh, Sai, was your father um, a, a good, was he nice? Was he a nice guy? And she said he was a very, very nice, very gentle person. I said, if you were to uh, uh, forget to feed, give him a glass of water, do you think he would like, beat you on the head and hurt you and give you a horrible headache? Is that, does that sound like your father? And she said, um, maybe not, maybe not. And I said, that was not your father. That was, an evil, that was a demonic spirit, it was an evil spirit pretending to be your father and, trap, and trapping you in this daily kind of worship that you have to do every day. It's not your father. It's not the ghost of your father. It's someone else. It's something else pretending to be your father. And she was not convinced. And so I said to her this, and it was a word of faith. I said, okay, Sai, my wife and I are going to pray for you right now, and we're going to challenge you that in the coming week, this coming week, do not feed your father all week, not one time. And we're going to pray that that evil spirit who's pretending to be your father will not touch you and you will not have a headache and you will not be hurt all week. Can you do that? And she wouldn't promise, but she thought about it. So we prayed for her right there. And then every day, the coming week, we prayed very, very hard every day. God, protect Kunsai. Help her. Watch over her. Don't let her get sick. Don't let her have any accident. Don't let her have anything bad happen to her. We prayed every day very, very hard. And the next week, we came back together for our Bible study. And, and I was eager. I said, Kunsai, what happened last week? Did you feed your father? And she goes, no. And I said, and yeah. And I said, did you have any problems? Did you have any headaches? Did you have any accidents? She said, no. And I said, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And she said, yes. Yes. Hallelujah. There's a key. So uh, it's our job. It's our role to invite them to come into the banquet. Uh, but it's God's role to change their hearts and open up the doors for them to come in. But the Holy Spirit will give you the key, will give you the key. Seek God. Look to Him for the answer and say, God, show me what to do. Show me how to, how to pray for them. Show me what to say. The banquet's always good. It's always great. It's always wonderful. But sometimes the people don't respond. And it was the Pharisees that didn't respond on that day to Jesus' invitation. So let's go on to the third invitation in verse 21. The servant was told, go out quickly, go to the streets, the lanes, the lanes, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He's saying, first of all, go to everyone, not just the Pharisees. Pharisees, it's not for you. It's for everyone. It's for every level of society. It's for every uh, language. It's for every tribe. It's for every nation. It's for everyone. And, and it's for everywhere. Go to the, to the street corners and find them, and bring them. And, uh, the, and, and as we look at everyone everywhere, we see that Jesus is changing his attitude. 
At first, there was an invitation. The second invitation was just a notice. Okay, the kingdom of God is here. But this third one is go quickly. Go quickly, he says. Go quickly. Don't wait. Go quickly. And I think if God's voice were here, were coming to us here right now in this missions emphasis weeks, it would be say, hey, don't wait. Don't waste your time. Don't wait around. Go quickly. Go quickly. God is urgently calling us to respond to his call. Bring them into the banquet. Now is the time. Go quickly. Don't wait around. And as we come out of COVID, I think this is just such an appropriate missions emphasis everywhere, everyone everywhere, is, hey, let's get our minds into, uh, into God's mind and God's heart and God's passion for the world. And it's quickly. It's not just a, a benign invitation but it's an urgent invitation. And let's look at the fourth invitation in verse 23. Go farther. He says, I want you to go to the hedges, the highways and the hedges. What do the highways and the hedges do? The highways and the hedges are those things that connect with foreign countries in Israel. He was talking about the hedges were the place that people had to stay when they didn't have a home in your country. Go, go to the highways. Go to where the foreigners are. Go to other nations. And he says, compel them. Don't just tell them about it. Now let's get to the level of compel. Why compel? Because God is passionate about reaching the lost. He's passionate about reaching the nations. And I believe that this mission's emphasis, everyone everywhere, is the time for us to catch the heart of God, to catch the passion of God, and not that mission, not, and not believe that missions is, is, an, uh, is a benign idea but to recognize that it is the central passion and heart of God. And as we grow to know God, to love God, to serve God, the greater that passion will grow in our hearts and our lives. Amen. I want, I want us to know that missions is our response to the urgency of the Father. Missions is our response to the urgency of the Father, to tell them, to tell them again, to go to every corner, to tell everyone, to compel them, the unloved, the poor, the despised, the weak, go further. My place in missions. I just have a few minutes left here. First of all, every one of us can and, may I say, should be involved in world missions. Everyone here in this room, everyone that knows Jesus, can and should be involved in missions in some way. And I believe, again, the closer you are to God, the more you are concerned for the world. First of all, every one of us can pray. Every one of us can pray. Uh, if, if, I could, if I could communicate to you the conviction, somehow I, I would love to communicate this conviction that prayer is important, it's so important, it's the most important, the most powerful thing that you can do for missions, for the world. Prayer. Every one of us knows that prayer is right and prayer is good and we should do it. But I want to say today that prayer is more important than anything else in, in reaching people for Jesus Christ. In fact, I go back to, uh, to Moses in Exodus chapter 17, when Israel just gets out of Egypt and they cross the Red Sea and they encounter their first battle with the Amalekites, 
And uh, Moses tells Joshua, get your army together and tomorrow, you know, so in one day Joshua gets his army together and they get their swords out and they go down in the valley and they begin to fight. And they fight with all their heart and with all their might. But Moses goes to the top of the mountain and looks down on them. And as he raises his staff before the Lord, Joshua's armies are victorious. But when that staff comes down, they're not. And every time the staff goes up, they advance. But when the staff comes down, they, they cannot win the battle. And even though they're fighting as hard as they can, they're using their swords. They're in that valley fighting and working hard. They will not win unless that staff of prayer is raised up. And I, and, and, and I have come to believe that that staff is more powerful than the sword. If missionaries and evangelists and churches are, are those in the valley holding the sword and fighting on that daily basis and saying, and planting churches and evangelizing and reaching out there, they represent the soldiers in the valley led by Joshua with the sword. But we need people who are up on the mountaintop holding that staff up high in prayer. And if that staff is not held high in prayer, the people down there in the valleys are not going to be victorious. And many times in our career in Thailand, as we've ministered, we had the deep impression that there wasn't enough staffs held in the air because we weren't winning the battles. After nearly 200 years of missionary efforts in Thailand, still less than 1% of the population knows Jesus Christ as Lord, and it's still legal to preach the gospel, to preach Jesus in Thailand. I believe there's been a lack of staffs held up in the air. Part of it is we don't understand how critical prayer is to the mission. Also to the mission of the church, praying for your pastor, praying for your pastoral staff, praying for the outreaches that take place in this church. We need staffs up, held up in the air calling on God and saying, God, come through for this. And when we pray, breakthroughs happen. Breakthroughs happen. When we, and, and so we're, our missionaries are looking for backing, for prayer backing. Your pastors, your pastoral staff, these ministries, they're looking for staffs being held up. And every one of us can participate in worldwide missions by praying. And in fact, I believe that we, 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 uh, we're part of the problem as leaders. We mobilize people to go and we mobilize people to give, but we don't mobilize people to pray in that same way. And I want to challenge us this morning to recognize that, that you can make a difference in, in, in the gospel and the kingdom of God being built through this world as you pray faithfully. And as we, we started to change the map, uh, it's prayer for the billion Buddhists throughout the world. As we pray for that Buddhist world, I believe breakthroughs come. Hearts will open. Miracles will happen. Visions and dreams will happen as people pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to challenge you today and, and, and next week. You'll be given an opportunity to, to look at the various ministries that Glad Tidings is supporting. You'll be challenged to give. And I do pray that over this upcoming week that God will put on your heart to give sacrificially. And, uh, and, to be, and giving sacrificially results in a special blessing from the Lord. Not giving what you can give and what you know you can do, but going a step beyond that. And so this coming week, would you, be, would you spend time in prayer saying, God, 
what can I do? And what do you want me to do to give sacrificially to missions in this coming year? But even more than that, can I challenge you this morning to say, what can I do to pray? What can I do to commit myself over this coming year to commit myself maybe to uh, one of the nations that I'll see up on the board next year, uh, next week, sorry, uh, maybe one of the ministries, uh, a country that you've placed on my heart. Can I be prepared to promise, to commit to praying every day over the next year for that ministry? Let's, let's consider that over the upcoming weeks recognizing that prayer is going to make is going to be the difference maker prayer is going to make the difference let's all stand as we as we close and i want to ask i want to ask in fact challenge you to take a step of faith this morning i don't know how how you do altar calls here in this church but i know that there's a power there's a special power that happens when we respond to an altar call and we come forward and we say okay god you're stirring my heart to pray. You're stirring me to pray some more. And so I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to come up to the front. And I'm going to respond to you. And I'm going to say, okay, God, I'm going to commit to being a better prayer warrior for you. If you sense God touching your heart this morning to respond in prayer and to respond to this altar call, I would like for all of you to come up to the front and just stand here up in the front and just begin to commit yourself to say, Lord, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do in prayer. Challenge my heart to pray. Would you do that? As the worship team begins to sing, I invite you to come forward. Let's come forward and end our time with that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been encouraged, make sure to follow us on Spotify. To get connected or find out more about the life of our church, visit us on our website at gladtidings.my or follow us on social media. Have a blessed week.